Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome into the 109th edition of the TFS Pod. I'm Ryan. He's Andy. We're back. Uh, January 30th, 2023. It's almost February, folks. The shortest month of the year. Then it's March. Um, college basketball. Uh, we're in the thick of it. Um, every single day there's games going on. It's been great. NFL. And then there were two. Um, college football, there's a little bit of news we'll get to later. Um, everything else is as is. Uh, we'll go to the podium per usual. I'll start. Um, not usually one to be too negative in my podiums. I'm going to be negative today. Um, that totally pops. Th- thought about it um, earlier. All-star games in sports, they used to be something cool. You know, you think NBA All-Star Weekend. You're like, it's an honor to play in the All-Star game. It was competitive. It was fun. Slam dunk contest was fun. Three-point contest was fun. Skills competition was fun. Now it's a joke. The dunk contest the last couple years has been an absolute train wreck. You, They've missed dunks, like three or four dunks in a row, and they get tens. It's stupid. The, the uh, game itself is a joke. They, like, pick teams and... Do this, do that. No, it should be East versus West. Um, like it always is, the fans vote on it. So, like, people that shouldn't even be in the All-Star game were in the All-Star game. Joel Embiid's averaging, like, 30, 33 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists a game, not starting the All-Star game. Stupid, because people didn't vote for him. It's a joke. That takes me to the NFL. The Pro Bowl used to be, they used to do, you know, the skills challenges like they always do, the throw-off, stuff like that. That's fun. They used to play a game, and it was competitive. It used to be in Hawaii. It was fun. You know, it was, it was an honor to play. Guys would play hard. They play freaking flag football. That's what they're going to do this year. I even have Who it. the hell is going to watch that? Why would you waste your time doing that, watching that? I would think that's a complete joke if I was a player. Do you think, is it because of injury? Maybe. You can hurt yourself playing any sort of sport where you move. Literally. The only sport you probably couldn't get in is video You're games. You're a paid entertainer. It's esports and you could hurt yourself. You could hurt Fuck your eyes all. doing that or something. I don't know. But it's ridiculous. You're a, you're a professional athlete. Freaking play. Not We're not playing flag football. That's some baby garbage. That's like some... We're not six years old here, all right? No more. I think the hockey one's the only one that's a legit all-star game now. Uh, Baseball's yeah. stupid, too, now. Why'd they change MLB? I think it's just not as big as it used to be. I remember I used to love all-star. We're going to always hype it up. Now I don't care anymore. Yeah, home run derby's still pretty good, but I agree. It's a waste. If the athletes aren't invested and they're getting paid so much money to be invested as entertainers, then why? Why? Like, if they're going to opt out because they are protecting their money, then I don't want to have to see it on TNT all some weekend in February. It's worthless. It's a waste of time. Speaking of waste of time, I got two people that I want to throw back to the chummed up, oh, great white infested waters off the coast of Mexico. 
one is not a surprise and the other one probably not either if you pay any attention to the podcast. LeBron James. We'll start with you, LeBron, Mr. Anti-American, yet I make my billions off of China, the communists. If you didn't see his absolute temper tantrum meltdown the other day at the end of the Lakers-Celtics game on a no-call, which was a right no-call because he didn't get fouled. Every time you walk to the lane, it's not a foul, LeBron. You, you do yourself a favor and watch it. If you didn't hate LeBron, you'll hate him after that. What a joke. He's a joke. And I'm going to give you another joke. i gotta, I got to dig it up here for a second, so I'll try to kind of talk while I'm looking for this. Um, back and forth with our forever time listener, Chris, uh, always gives us some good fodder for the podcast. Gave me a great one the other day. Um, and kind of on the premise of guys like LeBron, because he's been notorious for it, um, who will suddenly sit games out because they, um, you know, they're tired or whatever. So I'm going back here. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about something about durability. And then we'll get to my second part of my, my podium. Y'all want to say, you know, that LeBron's the greatest player ever, better than Jordan, better than Bird, better than Magic, whatever. Bullshit. He's not even top five. And I'm going to tell you why. Here's one great, great reason why. 19 seasons. This is head-to-head. Both guys played 19 seasons. John Stockton, probably, arguably, the most underrated, even though he's obviously a Hall of Famer, point guard of all time. In the same 19 seasons of playing ability, John Stockton, 1,504 games. LeBron, 1,366 games. 140 games less in the same amount of that's That's the equivalent of almost two full seasons less. 22 games missed. 22 games missed by Stockton, 155 by LeBron. And during that time, Stockton had one shortened season. Uh, I think it was because of a strike. LeBron had three shortened seasons. So he, he didn't even have a reason to complain during those seasons. Stockton never missed the playoffs. Now the Jazz didn't win, but they never missed the playoffs. LeBron's missed, his teams have missed it four times. And then... Uh, times playing in every game in the season, John Stockton 16, LeBron 1. If you go back then, and my correlation back is you go back and watch that video against the Celtics over the weekend and look at his reaction and you just tell me that he is not the biggest ass clown in the history of the NBA and therefore would, would never get a vote in my Hall of Fame vote, then let's have a conversation because I will tell you all the reasons you're wrong. Secondly, and quickly, and we'll get to it a little bit more in the golf, is can I just say, is there another guy that you want to throw to chum-infested, great white shark-infested waters than Patrick Reed? The dude is filing a lawsuit because he's been accused of cheating, even though it's been on camera. There was a controversy again with him this weekend. And, oh, by the way, he tried to get chum it up with, with a guy who he served a subpoena on, or his attorney served a subpoena on, on Christmas Eve, and then got all butt hurt and called Rory a baby because he wouldn't have a conversation with him. So if I subpoena you and interrupt your Christmas Eve dinner, and then I try to have you know nicey-nice with you on the range, are you going to give me the time of day? BS, you're going to give me the time of day. Read James I'll throw you in the water myself. I'll push you down with a poker myself, and then I'll chum the water myself. Get out of my sports purview. Yep, those two um, causing trouble per usual. 
All right, tee up of the week. Uh, I'll tell you who. Uh, you'll tell us why. Um, who? He's got a plastic tushy. <laughs> Matt, the Santa fake Santa Claus painter. First, uh, here's the thing. Matt Painter is a really good coach. He's the second longest tenured coach in the Big Ten. He's gonna probably certainly overtake Gene Cady's um, Purdue record. Gene Cady, I think, is the uh, third winningest coach now in the Big Ten behind uh, Izzo and Knight. Um, he's a legend that replaced a legend, just like Izzo. Just pulled one of the most bush league moves you can pull. Let's just say this. If Tom Izzo was Jawan Howard and the same move would have been pulled, Jawan Howard would have been arrested this time for assault. Because up 18 points with two and a half minutes to go, after you already gave your big ofis, dum-dum, gimme, gum-gum, one curtain call, you put him back in the game, don't lie, Matt, don't lie, to score 40. He already had his career high. He had 38 because he gets away with absolute murder in the post. We'll get to more of that in a minute. You put him back in, and your answer to the reason why when Rafferty asked you, why did you put him back in the game? Oh, it wasn't to show anybody up. It wasn't to get him a record. It was because it was a response to Michigan State's personnel move. You're up 18 with two and a half minutes to go against Michigan's Michigan State's reserves Except for Joey Hauser, we're talking Smith, walk-on. The only walk-on really, I mean, Barry Sanderson and Steven Izzo weren't in there because they're the human victory cigars, but you had, like, Cooper in there. Okay, Cooper is 6'11". I get it, and he actually defended Edie better than anybody from Michigan State the whole game. Again, we'll get to that. But you're going to excuse that away as saying, oh, we weren't trying to get a record we were just simply responding to a personnel move by Michigan State. Up 18 with a guy who already had 38 points against Michigan State's scout team. In essence, except for Joey Hauser, and he's been playing like scout team lately. Their scout team. And here's the evidence that you need that Izzo thought it was Bush League. That was the shortest, coldest postgame handshake Tom Izzo has ever given in his 28 years because he gives every coach he talks to some wisdom, some congratulations, whatever the the case may be because of, of the outcome of the game. And he didn't spend more than two seconds with a Lloyd Carr, Bobby Williams, dead fish handshake. Deservedly so because you, Matt Painter, just lost all my respect. After I sat there as a student and I watched you be a glue guy with the big dog when Purdue won three straight Big Ten titles when I was at Michigan State, and Michigan State was nipping at your heels. And I had a lot of respect for you, and I had a lot of respect for you as a coach. You have none of my respect now for that bullshit move. None. Tee him up, throw him out, get him out. Yeah, not a great look from him. Um, if he had just been honest, maybe it would be a different story. But it's or not. just don't do it. What, what's the need? I mean, I don't ever root for guys to to take cheap shots and get hurt. I kind of wanted him to roll an ankle or tear an ACL or tear an Achilles just for just desserts. I mean, it was an ass move. It, there's no other way to cut it. I don't care if you're a great, you know, Purdue fan. And you're like, oh, Michigan State, your butt. No, we can take that. We got our butts kicked. I get it. It's not about that. It's about you don't put the guy back in the game and then use an excuse like, oh, it was a response to personnel by Michigan State. You weren't down yes. two. You were down eighteen. Yeah. Crazy. 
All right, let's get we're back to around the world this week. Um, start off with hoops. Um, I guess we can just go through the Big Ten like we always do, right? Um, Minnesota stinks. They lost. They almost beat uh, Indiana last week. Gave them a tough one, but lost. I mean, they're fighting. They're just they're fighting. They're just undermanned, and they were undermanned in that game. Indiana is on a heater. Um, even without their point guard, they're adjusting to that. Uh, what was what's that old boy's name? Number one, Hutch- Michigan State. Hutchifino, Michigan yeah. State held him way in check, and then he just torched yeah, he's, Ohio he's State. Playing well, you know. So yeah, let's let's go back to when did we do the pod last week? Monday. So we'll go back to let's go back to Tuesday. Rutgers dumped Penn State. Um, played really well, but then we'll get to them and Penn State here in a minute. Uh, Illinois beat Ohio State. Ohio State is in yeah. big danger of not making the tournament. Um, they're just they, there's something about them. They're a lack of chemistry. So I don't know what it is. They, yeah, like I said, Liddell. They miss Liddell. He was a glue guy that was also their star player. And you get to Wednesday. Uh, Maryland wiped Wisconsin. Wisconsin, another team in jeopardy. And yeah. we just a couple weeks ago were saying, oh, they'll finish probably top four because they always finished up. They're playing really poorly, and they. They used to be pretty unbeatable with Tyler Wall. Not that he's the best player in the Big Ten, but they've lost like three or four in a row with him in the lineup. He's, been, he's not playing well. They're just they've they just don't have the horses. Hepburn is hitting as he's a sophomore, right? Like he's hitting the sophomore wall. I think like he he hasn't taken that leap uh, when they needed it with the guys that they lost. You know, and you lose a twelfth year senior, dirty player that does the literal dirty work in Brad Davison. That stuff adds up, man. I'm telling you, the team on an absolute heater. A heater of heaters, solo second place by themselves. A team that I should have two more losses by my account because they shouldn't have got a free spring break because of quote COVID. But Northwestern, yeah, what torched the, Nebraska by fifteen, solo again, solo second place, two games out behind Purdue, but solo second place. Indiana hung on against uh, Minnesota. Trace Jackson Davis, somebody, by the way, some Michigan State writer or, like, I don't know, Only Colors or something, called him Tracy. I hope that was your editor or if you're self-editing that your spell check did it wrong, but his name is Trace, as in Trace. He's a good outline in the paper. He had 25 points, 20 rebounds, and, like, six blocks in that game. Broke Indiana's uh, all-time shot clock record. He's just been an absolute stud lately on a tear. You know, kind of tweaked his back and got better. We can get into more of this in a minute, Ryan, but a game we were at, Michigan State eked one out against Iowa. Uh, Purdue, that same night, eked one out against Michigan. Um, that's That may be all she wrote for Michigan. We'll get to why in a minute. Saturday, Minnesota, now Northwestern again played bottom of the barrel, but still won by 20, so they smoked both the teams they should have this week. They wiped Minnesota. Um, Illinois. Wipe mop the floor with Wisconsin. They're such a Illinois is playing well too. They're playing well, but they're an enigma because they got their ass kicked by Indiana last week. Nebraska um, got wiped by Maryland. They've they're got some injuries. They kind of yeah, they're dead to rights. Um, it's it's a battle for 13th and 14th place with Minnesota, and then Indiana absolutely just torched Ohio State. Huchifino had 24 um, early in that game. Ryan and I were watching, like, that ball left his hand and you knew it was good. It's like he yeah. turned around. It was kind of like when you hit a good drive and you hit it and you don't even need to look for it. That doesn't happen to us ever. Well, but like a pro, talk about you just knew it. the scoreboard piece fell down. Oh, yeah. Scary. Was that, the, was that, that, was, that game? Yeah, the Ohio State game. Right? Almost oh, hit lucky it wasn't during gameplay. From way up high, um, 
Yeah, I mean, that could have taken somebody out. It was a piece of metal. Yep. It was like a bracket or something. Then you get to Sunday. Uh, we'll get to this game a little bit more in a minute, but Purdue um, has been playing a lot of close games lately. Um, they torched Michigan State. We'll get to that more. So talk about torching. So Penn State got torched early in the week by Rutgers and then went and absolutely destroyed Michigan at home. Michigan's now, what, 11 and 10? Something yeah. like that, 10 and 9? 11 and 10. Dead to rights. I mean, they even got Howard back, who had about half their points, it seems like he didn't. But he had like 23. Um, he was expected to miss more time. Dickinson had like 6 or 8 yeah, points. They're, they're horrible. They they don't bad care. Chemistry. They're poorly coached. They have bad it's chemistry. NBA ISO ball. Yeah, it's... I would not be surprised to see Howard leave. I, I really... Somebody goes, no, he won't go until his kids go. His kids will transfer and he'll go to the pros. He's not a college coach. He's not. If he doesn't, Ryan said it last week, if he doesn't have Phil Martelli on the bench with him, Michigan is nothing at all. Nothing. Um, and then Iowa gets a bounce back after they probably should have arguably beaten Michigan State earlier in the week and, and beat Rutgers. So Rutgers gets a big win, then they go on the road and get second sting from Iowa. Um, so that's the week at large. We want to talk about any other particular games. You want to run through the the stand, updated standings just to give you a, a, a look. Purdue ten and one, running away with it. Northwestern second place six and three. Then you got Indiana, Illinois, Rutgers all six and four. Michigan State six and five. Then Penn State, Maryland, Iowa, Michigan at five and five. Wisconsin at four and six. Um, Ohio State three and seven. Still uh, twelve teams with better than five hundred records. Um, but I think we're starting to kind of get the, – the middle is still pretty muddied, but I think you're kind of starting to see a little bit of a separation there of teams like Michigan and Ohio State that are going to have to scrap and claw to have a shot at the tournament. Um, and, and Northwestern's 15-5, and 6-3 and three in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think they're in squarely right now, I would say. Yeah, I mean, crazy crazy how that goes. But, um, all right, Ryan, give me, give me your thoughts on Michigan State-Iowa. We'll go there first. Uh the starts Michigan State has been having in a lot of games is very alarming. 10-0 hole. Um, just what, why? Like, well, how do you start off yeah, this bad? I don't really. I don't get it. it. I don't. Don't set the tone in any of these games. It's ridiculous. Um, and the thing is, is if you start and you miss a couple shots, I get it. Like, right? You have bad shooting days, or individuals have bad shooting days. But go set the tone on defense. And aside from. Jaden Akins. I don't know where Michigan State's tone has been set on defense lately. He, I mean, Malik Hall coming back Walker against Iowa was huge. Had a couple off games. Hogard's been a Michigan little State. Off. Can we just say it might be the worst? This might be the. I'd have to go worst back. Ryan, here's a rebounding. here's a research project for you. Not, not even. I don't even think they're the worst rebounding team, honestly. But they have got to be the worst at the rim shooting, contested or uncontested. I don't care. To me, a bunny is a bunny. If it's if it's contested, then draw the foul. But you got to make even half those contested shots, and you better make every one of the uncontested shots. AJ Hogard, who played arguably his worst game of the season against Iowa, literally part of the Red Sea with a brilliant little shake move, and biffed a wide open layup. First of all, finger rolls are stupid. Either you literally set it down in the hoop, or you bank it in. You don't roll it and go for the spin off your finger. Michigan State got lucky in that game. We were there. crowd definitely helped a little bit. They gave up two pretty good looks for three by Bug Eyes, who's a good three-point shooter for Iowa at the end, and they were fortunate. I thought for sure he was going to make one of them. 
uh, gritty, right? They played good defense. Jaden Akins was great. He made some big shots. He had, what, three steals, two blocks. I mean, he's been playing with a lot of energy. He's been a lot more he's confident. still not very efficient, but... He makes mistakes, but he's he's super healthy. He's got to make more at the rim. Um, Tyson Walker is now on three. No, the first one was sick, but he's on three bad games in a row. Joey Hauser was abysmal against Iowa. Uh, made a couple threes down the stretch that helped, but... Also like his missed defense, two wide open threes. His defense is not good. I will say this. Between Hogard and Hall, really defended... Um, Murray, Murray season held them to 10 almost, points. I, I mean, they played well. Malik was the reason why Michigan State won that game. Um, and you can see the difference he can make. But he's not, he's not going to be back to Malik until March, let's be honest. I mean, it's taken Aikens yeah. until now to look like Aikens. Better hope that so, we keep winning. You know, the thing is, is Michigan State's going to go as Hogard and Walker go. And they're going to need, whether it's Hall or Hauser, they need one of those guys to to play well. Um, Matty is like, I don't know what's going on with him. Like he was getting pretty used and abused down low. Um, Kohler's a freshman. He's still, I almost would ride or die with those guys like Kohler and, and Cooper. Cooper plays good defense. At least he's, you know, maybe not as certainly as polished on offense as Kohler, but, um, Cooper has been Michigan state's best defender against Edie. Who's scored 70 points in two games against us. Um, you know, Kohler just, he could at least push him a little bit, but Sissoko is just like... He's horrible. He didn't even really... Yesterday, I think he had two rebounds. I mean, he he didn't, he's not anything. even doing that. Like, And Hauser, okay, you're, if you're not going to score, then damn it, get a rebound or play some defense. He had three points against Purdue. Three points. And it comes to late in the like, second half. Uh, you can't win unless he's doing something good. And we're not asking you to guard the best big man on the other team, Joey. We're asking you to discard some other slow white guy usually, and you can't even do that. Like, you're out of position. Your help is late. Your rotations are awful. You're not rebounding. Like one of my buddies said yesterday, he routinely plays like a six foot four guard. Yeah. He really does. Like, but he's too slow to guard another six four guard. So, um, I don't know. That, here's a couple of other things. I don't want to dominate it, Ryan. I want to let you get your chance. But just some of my thoughts on the, on the Purdue game. Zachy, like, what did you say? Field of 68 called him a generational talent. Let me just say. Generational what, height, maybe. Yeah, but like, yeah, he's seven four seven five. Like, it, you just have to be able to walk and chew gum to be a good basketball player. Like, you're literally shooting down on a hook shot. If you don't believe me, take away any if perceived Michigan State sour grapes, and you watch and you tell me that he doesn't pin guys' ears to their head with his elbow. On every post-up. I get it. He's taller than guys. You can't do that. He hooks every time. He pushes. He goes over the back. Like, he doesn't even need to do that. A generational talent is an Hakeem Olajuwon. It's uh, Zion. It's Lou Alcindor slash Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Zach Eady is just big. He's like, he's Yao Ming. Yao Ming wasn't a generational talent. This guy, there's a reason why at 7'4", 7'5", and a junior, he's still in college and not in the NBA. He's not a generational talent. He's impossible to move in the paint because he's so big. And the refs, don't even get me started on the refs, they let him literally stand in the paint for five to ten seconds on a possession. And he he never fouls. I mean, he fouled like two or three times later in that game. And he acted like, like, I mean, it was crazy. Like, Here's the rule, too, just in case you don't know, for three seconds, 
If you establish one foot in the paint, you have three seconds to get out. It's not both feet in. It's not all the way in your, with your whole body. One foot in, you got to get out. You, I dare you to watch them in their next game. Count. And you count. And you tell me how many times. Do nothing but that. Make sure it's a game where you're not rooting for the other team or whatever. So you can just watch Zach Eady's feet. I guarantee you, in the course of, if he's in the game for, I don't even know what's legitimate, 50 possessions? You think he's probably in a game for at least 50 More possessions? Let's just say he's in a game minimally 50 possessions. He is a three-second call on 40 of those 50 possessions, 80% of the time. I, I might even have to do some game film breakdown and send it into the league. It, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And here's the thing about Purdue. So they also, s- Sunday, had one foul, one, in the first 19 minutes of the game. And none of their first half fouls were against starters. Riddle me, are they that good a defensive team? Are they that? Michigan State has been behind the eight ball in the foul count for the last month in a row, really since Big Ten play started. Um, and here's the thing. Here is my lock, stock, and barrel prediction right now. Because the Big Ten is officiated so crappily because they let these guys get away with what they get away with. And this is not just uh, an indictment on Purdue, but I'll pick Purdue because they're the consensus number one this week in the poll for the first time this year. Mark my words, it might not be the second round that they lose this year, but they are not going to go to the Final Four, and it's because they are going to get, in their minds, screwed over by bad officiating. And what I'm going to tell you what it is, is they're going to get some refs that they don't ever see in the Big Ten that call them on their garbage, and they're going to get Edie in foul trouble, and all of a sudden these freshman guards, like Lawyer, who's really good, like Smith, who's going to be a pain in the ass for four years, but like first and some of these other guys, they're going to make them beat you, and they can't do it. They can't do it. There's a reason they're the Big, a different team the Big Ten has not had a national champion since 2000 when Michigan State won it. 2000. That's have been to a Final Four since 2019. It's, it's insane. Like There's no excuse that the Big Ten, and I'm telling you, it has to do with the way the game is called in the Big Ten or not called and how it gets called in the tournament when you get different refs. And while I'm on my ref bent, Ryan brought this to my attention the other day. Here's how bad off we are with officials, not only in basketball but everywhere. And we can talk about that in the NFL section. One of the three game officials for Michigan State-Purdue, which is a 12-15 tip, did a 10 o'clock Eastern tip on the West Coast the night before, Stanford Cal. So you figure he didn't leave the arena there until 1 a.m. Eastern time, flew back across the country, probably got in, you know, with staying on Eastern time. Maybe he got in like at 6 a.m. and he was fresh enough to call a big nationally televised game. No, no, I, I don't know. I, I already got after Painter for you know f him for his stat chasing for Edie and his BS answer. Um, I, you know, Izzo had to go and get a technical going into halftime, a la Bobby Knight, to kind of prove a point. And then we watched him mouth to, you know, Baldy there, the 6'8 gangly ref, um, whatever his name is. Cyclops. Yeah, the Cyclops. You know, you know that was bullshit. He's right. Like, the calls against that, it's not even so much the calls that go against Michigan State. It's the calls that don't go against, like, Purdue in that case. It, it's gross. It's sick. And I'm telling you, as a Big Ten fan, I don't give Michigan State a chance to win the national title this year. So 
And I'm talking about from a Big Ten perspective. Because I would root for anybody reasonably except for Michigan to win a national championship that had an opportunity. If Michigan was number one, I'd say, I hope they lose in the first round. If Purdue can do it, hey, let's face it, they haven't been to a Final Four since 1980. So if they can get back to the Final Four, let alone uh, win a national championship, great. Good for the Big Ten. But I'm telling you, it is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, getting to Michigan State, Hauser and Walker need to wake up or else it could slip away and you're on the bubble. Um, probably have to win four of your next five. Um, to, that's, the, that's the time. I mean, they can't afford to They can't afford can't to have lose. those guys keep taking games off. You can't You can't keep losing. You can't if you want to make the tournament because, I mean, it's there's a lot of teams that are on the bubble right now. Um, Look at the Big Ten alone. We went through the standings, right? Like, this is an Izzo week, though, because he has a full week of practice. Michigan State doesn't play again until they go to the Garden. Thank goodness they don't play at the Rack, a.k.a. Jersey Mike's, because uh, that would be a sure loss. But they can they can beat Rutgers again, and they can beat them at the, at the Garden. Um, this is a week that hopefully Michigan State will make some hay, that's for sure. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I got nothing. What else is going on in the rest of college basketball? I mean, you had a lot of upsets again. Bama got small. Like, yeah, the SEC big... 12 challenge, Big 12 smoked them. Um, Kansas got off the snide. Um, Kentucky, Bama finally Kentucky lost. lost to Kansas. Um, Baylor's looking really good. Kansas State. Texas Tech's pretty bad in the Big 12. They're about the only bad team, really. Um, Big East, UConn is continuing a free fall. They've been awful. Um, Xavier, pretty good team. Uh, Providence, pretty good. Creighton's getting a lot better. Um Trying to think who else. Villanova's not great. They got Justin Moore back finally after tearing his Achilles in the Elite Eight last year. Good for him. Um, but they're pretty Creighton, great. I'll tell you, Ryan and I said this to each other the other day. Creighton's only like 13 and 8 right now. They had some injuries and some illness in the kind of after they started strong. Mark my words, as much as I will say there's no way Purdue, because of officiating and the way that they get they help could, right now, they can Creighton could be a big enough. Creighton could be a final four team. I, I will go out on a limb and say that now it's early. If you really want to mince words on, um, you know, field of 68, let's let Ryan bring up his bracket because he's been doing a lot of good homework there. Um, I I would go out on a limb right now and say that Creighton has as legitimate a shot as anybody at a, at a Final Four this year. Yeah, they're, they're, they're well coached. The form. Yep. And you don't want, you don't want to peak in November anyway. You want to, you want to be good. You want to be battle tested, but you want to be good going into March. That's why Izzo has, has traditionally been good because Michigan State hits the skids, which right now they've lost four or six. It's kind of their mid-season skid, you know. Now they got a chance to get it right, bounce back, and then you know improve their seat as they as they go. Excuse me, but Creighton, I'm telling you, it's a team to watch. Yeah, uh, UCLA in the Pac-12, pretty good. Arizona, pretty good. Arizona State finally coming back to planet Earth. They're not great. USC gave it to UCLA last week, Yeah, USC is pretty decent. ACC sucks. Duke's not great. UVA might be the the best team. Clemson's Um, at the top, though, aren't they? Yeah, I don't think they're that good, though, to be honest with you. I mean, I think they're decent, but I don't know. I think UVA is the best team in the ACC as they're currently winning. Um, North Carolina, I think, could be good. Same with Duke. But they have to have all the pistons firing to be good, and I don't know if that's going to happen. They were about where they are now last year, and then they turned it on and went on a run. So can they do it again? They got the horses, no question about it. But you can only 
turn the faucet off and on so many times and then you know before it just runs dry so we'll right. we shall see what happens with that yep you got anything else on hoops no nope, not on hoops we could all talk right. hoops all day nfl um it's rigged yeah I, i'm convinced it is i mean geez i mean eagles congrats super bowl big time i mean they smoked them Devontae Smith did not catch the ball. It's beyond. And he knew it. It's he beyond it. me that they did not throw a challenge flag. Well, and or something and like here's the thing: it's like if if the NFL is looking at it, how do you not look at the way the guy that supposedly caught it is reacting and know that he clearly didn't catch it? At least they got that same exact call right in the Bengals Chiefs game later. Same thing. Ref was shielded from it. Same thing. Looked like he made a great catch. Same thing. It hit the ground. Um, I just look. There were we've been talking about it for a while, and I said NFL rigged. Like, do there was a rant today. Uh, McAfee, what's his name? McAfee. McAfee. I want to say McAfee, not not McCaffrey of Iowa, but uh, Pat McAfee. He talked about it because he's been saying it for a while that the NFL and not just the NFL college football college basketball they have a major officiating problem and not only bodies but like we're talking about mistakes get made yes like we're talking okay if if two or three mistakes that are at least pretty noticeable by astute fans get get you know happen get by in a game that's livable right like they got to make a lot of calls it's tough it's fast paced as we evidence, you know, guys are flying all over the country. They're probably tired. Part of the problem is, is none of these guys are professionals. They do it as a second job. So um, that's that's part one of the problem. Um, part two of the problem, then, therefore, is where's the accountability? Like, do they get paid enough? Or, again, I'm not saying, I'm just saying sports gambling is illegal in a lot of places now. Might some of these guys make a little bit more money if they maybe miss a call here or they don't make this call here or they screw this call up there than they do to actually call the game? Now, I don't have any proof of that, but it's got to make you wonder. I mean, whatever came of the Seahawks-Rams game, like, did anything ever come of that investigation? Like, again, we go back to that Saints egregious pass interference. There's no way you missed that call. You missed that call because you got something else going on. I, I, again... I've become probably as my in my old age and probably politically and because of the COVID nonsense, a conspiracy theory guy that will give it more pause than I ever did before. I don't give any pause to the conspiracy theory that the government murdered, you know, JFK or any of that stuff. And I never believed in any of that stuff until lately because it's all a bunch of horse shit that they feed you from the media about COVID and everything else. The jab, blah, 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 blah. I'm telling you, there is something, there's a reason why on social media, and I'm not even on much social media anymore, why they talk about the script for the weekend from the NFL. I mean, look, the Eagles game, whatever, that was a bad call. I don't think that has an outcome because here's the thing is Brock Purdy Purdy got got absolutely wrecked and it turns out tore his elbow. Um, I was thinking, oh, come on, man, tough it out. But legit, the guy, the dude tore his elbow, and San Francisco had no chance because their backup just played for like 700 teams, and I've never even heard of him, then gets a concussion. Like, you don't want to talk about conspiracy. Any chance San Francisco had was at least with him maybe being in there, and they call it from on high. He did hit his head hard, and he didn't go back in the game. And I hope, you know, if he really did truly have a concussion that he's okay because Clearly, the NFL screwed that up with Tua earlier in the year because that dude's still in concussion protocol five weeks after the season's over for him. 
But I'm just telling you, they're like, okay, the push in the back on the in the Bengals Chiefs game, that was legit. It was a legit call. He was out of bounds. I still personally would argue Feel like, bad for the game. Do, do you really need to call that at that point in time? Like, was it on purpose? Was it to hurt him? Was it with malintent? No. I get it. It's the rule. I get it. You don't want it. Well, it's why, Andy, you can't say it's a penalty at one minute and it's not at the other. I understand. I still think it's a horseshit way to win a game or to it lose so a game. It was so anticlimactic. It, it was. And for a game that was so good, so it was a great good, game. came down to numerous missed calls. I mean, the calls that Tom Brady gets for roughing the passer were 10 times softer than a couple of the pushes late on Joe Burrow. Um, There was a big time hold on that last kick punt return to set that play up. Like should have been Kansas city ball about their 20, not at the 50. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm not even saying, I'm not not saying talking about the extra play that they got. Yeah, right, where miraculously we have to see like some bird's eye camera view that, you know, well, the ref this ref from... is running in from nowhere after Kansas City had, or I mean, the Bengals had made a big stop. Like, I, hey, I don't blame you, Bengals fans, if you're PO'd today that you think the ref screwed you because I'm telling you, more bad. and more and more and more and more and more, I'm seeing it across the board, whether it's my team or I'm watching as an innocent sports fan. There are way too many mistakes, especially in big games, for this to keep happening. Find a way to get robots to do it. Do an eye in the sky. Pay these guys, you know, a good chunk of the money. Like, if the players are getting millions, pay the refs that much then. And drive the expectation that if you can't call the games and you make so many mistakes, you're out. you got to go call USFL. Or you got to go call, like, quasi-arena league. Like, set standards live to standards because I'm telling you NFL you're quickly approaching joke territory on the calls or lack thereof calls that you make that are changing the outcome in games and it's getting that way too in college basketball and it's getting that way in college football and I'm telling you I'm telling you if somebody wanted to investigate they're going to find somebody that's shaving somewhere or has got money here or money there there is where there's smoke there's fire and there is something going on and officiating in these sports. A lot of money changes hands. A lot of money is to be had by winning teams. A lot is on the line for winning teams. Somebody call Sam. Maybe we should call Sam Bernstein and have him. Oh, yeah, he'd be a big help. He would. And he Barry would. Sanders can be there, too. We'll get more of the Super Bowl picks because we got, you know, now the forever media time. I kind of hate that, to be honest. But. Guys will get healthy, so that's good because kid. Casey, yeah, Mahomes props to him. I mean, yeah, he played great. Performance. And they were down to like nothing for wide receivers. Oh, they had nothing. Kelsey, he's a he's, he's an a idiot. Stud. He's an idiot of a person, but he's a stud football player, man. Yeah. Wow. Um, Burrow was good, not great. Made some bad mistakes, a couple picks. Um, and the Niners game hurts. I hope he gets healthy so he's good for that game because I think that could be really entertaining um, if he's fully healthy and Mahomes as well. Um, just crazy. Yeah. I mean, Two of the best teams all year, the one seeds. Yep, yep. I mean, it's rare that the one seeds yeah. make it, right? Um, so we should get a good game. And, yeah, we, we shall see. I, I feel bad for the 49ers because they were just undermanned to begin with and then – you know, they take a hit literally in the third play of their offensive series, and that's it. They were done. McCaffrey is a stud, though. Oh, that dude is an absolute baller. Good. And San Fran is 
is going to be here to stay. It'll be interesting to see what they do with all their quarterbacks. That is for sure. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. Should be interesting, though. Um, all right, third down. All right, let's go to around the world spot three. Courtesy of Chris, a Lions Mount Rushmore. Um, he rightfully called us out and said that it's really easy to pick a Mount Rushmore when you don't pick four guys and you pick like 12 guys and you just talk about it. So we're, we're going to stick to four this time. A Lions Mount Rushmore. And he said, you know, given the, our propensity to give you more than four of anything, Barry and Calvin Johnson are given. Like they're automatically in. So pick four other guys. In my life or... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, let me tell you, in my life, it's not that much better. <laughs> There's um, a couple guys I got to see that you didn't, but... Stafford, um, Dominican Sue. I'm mm-hmm. just going off my life. Um, Jason Hansen, my man. Yeah. Um, what else? Who else we got? Um, i trying to think of any... I mean, dang. No good running backs, really. Um, Stafford, Sue, Hanson, those are your guys. Mm-hmm. So far, any, nobody else you can think of? Oh, I'm like, there's no standouts. Like, who? DeAndre Levy? I don't <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, Dre Bly? <laughs> it is decent. I, I'm going to go. So, for my guys, so we'll go the era kind of before Ryan. I'm going to go Billy Sims for sure, the original number two zero. Um, I'm going to go Chris Spielman. I'm going to go Benny Blades and I'm going to go Lomas Brown. Damn. Those are all guys that Lomas were on great, uh, great Lions teams in the, in the nineties when they actually last won a playoff game and were decent. Um, all by the way, phenomenal college football players too. But those guys, I mean, Billy Sims was before obviously, uh, that era, he was in the early eighties and then tore up his knee on, the old Silver Dome AstroTurf, which was literally, my dad once said he saw them roll the turf out when the Pope spoke there back in the 80s. The, the turf itself was maybe an inch thick, and it was on cement. That's disgusting. <laughs> so no wonder Billy Sims shredded his knee. And the stuff was probably all wrinkled up and whatever. It's uh, like, this, like, you know, you can go buy it at Menards or Lowe's or Home Depot. Yeah, that's disgusting. Your own AstroTurf that's is crazy. scary. So. So there you go. How, you, Chris, you'll have to give us some feedback. Did we do better that time? Like, I, I, I gave you four. I'm Chris, think, I need Ryan a fourth one. one. I need a, I didn't give you a really... A really and I could have... I could I'm not going to add another one because I could. But well, who's a, going to. there's no good linemen. Uh, no other good receivers? I would say maybe Herman Moore, but that was before your time. He was good. Um, Charles Rogers? It could have been. <laughs> could have been. Roy R.I.P. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any good, you know... Defensive players in your more recent era, not really. I mean, who's the punter? Fox. I'll say Penny. <laughs> Penny Sewell. He's hey. a once in a generation. Penny Sewell. Yeah, I mean, he's he's as close to Lomas Brown as the Lions will get now. Be, I mean, he's he's, he's a stud. He's a stud. All right. Quick word from our presenting sponsor, Team Anders. As my ad goes away, Team Anders Realty will help you find the home that best fits your needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right, Ryan, mailbag. So a couple questions came in from some of our loyal listeners. 
that I will throw to you uh, for your opinions first. And actually, one of them is not from a loyal listener. It was my own question. Um, so our first question, what makes Tom Izzo so special to his players? I think it's just the the relationship that he can build. Just, you know, it's his birthday, um, 68, happy birthday, coach. Goat. Goat. Um, Willie Call posted, like, a picture of him and Izzo, and he's like, at birthday coach, like, you've done more for me than you could ever know. It's like, just the, like, yeah, he's going to get in your face, but he's also your friend. He's also, you and know, I, a and mentor. I, and I should set this up and say this came as a result of this person listening to uh, Draymond Green's podcast where he interviewed Mateen Cleaves, I think it was, about yeah. playing for Izzo. Um, and just, like, these guys, you listen to them, they get moved to tears when they when they talk about Coach Izzo. Um, in the impact that he had in their lives. Is he for everybody? No. Is every coach for everybody? No. Um, But, like, I remember everybody was all up in arms and butthurt when he went after Gabe Brown wasn't listening to him when they were coming out uh, at halftime against UCLA, and he grabbed his arm, and people were like, he's abusive, blah, 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 blah. No. There's a reason why literally hundreds of former players come back. Um even from the Judd era, because, you know, remember, Izzo's been at Michigan State since the mid-80s. So as an assistant coach and a head coach, he's been there for 40 years. Um, because he he puts his neck out there for guys. Like, he, he will tell you like it is to get the best out of you. Like, you don't go somewhere in life by having somebody be a yes man or for somebody kissing your ass all the time or somebody telling you you're the greatest and getting in your ear with nothing but good. Great people are formed with the ability to grow through criticism and through critique and through a listening ear for learning. And Izzo doesn't get enough credit for the teacher that he is. And, and I'm teacher of, of life and being a man off the court, but even on the court, like he's a, he's a really, I mean, okay, ED defensive stuff aside, that's a personnel thing more than anything. He's a great coach. Like his baseline out of bounds action is phenomenal. That throwback pass to to you know get the game into overtime against Kentucky, phenomenal. Like he is an underrated basketball mind. People don't usually say what a great basketball mind he is, but he is. And Judd Heathcote was the same way. Nobody gave Judd Heathcote enough credit. But I think what makes Izzo so special myself is is what Ryan said, and I just think he just genuinely cares and he wants the best for these guys. He wants the best. And it doesn't matter if you're Matt Ishbia and he wants to help you become a billionaire or if you're um, you know, Max Christie and you're a one-and-done that wants to get to the NBA. He wants the best for his guys, and I think that's that's amazing. Um, the second part of that question is, are there other qualities Izzo possesses, and do you think that the main this is the main quality of most successful coaches? So what other qualities does he have in is that what makes the Coach K's, the Coach Williams, the Coach Self's, is that what makes them great? I mean... I don't know that... I, I'll take that second part. I don't think you can carbon copy anybody. I think there's similarities, but I think Jay Wright actually during the broadcast yesterday, the Purdue game, by the way, I think he could be really good as like eventually Raph is going to, you know, he's in his 80s, right? He's going to eventually have to go away as much as I love him. Wright could be a perfect, you know, set for him, but like... You, I think you learn a lot from your direct mentor and you learn a little bit from the other coaches. Certainly you share and whatever, but I don't think that, I don't think you can carbon copy coaches. Like you can't, Izzo's not a carbon copy of Judd. 
um, you know, whoever, Indiana's had a lot of guys, but nobody's a carbon copy of Bobby Knight. Matt Painter's not a carbon copy of Gene Katie. Because here's the yeah. thing is, like, I took, I look at it like this from my perspective as a leader at work. The leader that I am is equal parts of who I am as a person and my values and what I believe in and my core beliefs and the best parts of the people that have been closest to me in a leadership role otherwise. That's what I think makes these guys great and so unique. Like, I don't think you can say that Izzo is great in the same way that Shashevsky is great in the same way that Dean Smith is great in the same way that Bobby Knight is great. I just, or John Wooden for that matter. I think they all had qualities and attributes about them, qualities and attributes that they learned, and they molded that to be what they are, which is uniquely them, um, which is, I think, what makes basketball maybe even more unique than any other sport, to be honest, because football, you have so much like position teaching and coaching that goes on and right. it, there's leadership like a Saban and stuff but it's like it's different you're kind of a CEO basketball is different it's a smaller it's a smaller group like you're not you're yeah you're the CEO but you're you're not just the CEO like you're you're not just managing your coaches to manage the team you're like you're the guy um and, and I I think just Izzo's tenacity you know he's the little guy he's the little guy that could from the UP he's the guy that you know Still shoots free throws to this day because he missed free throws in a key game in either high school or college that could have brought his team to the next level. Um, like those are just core th- values and disciplines that you learn on your own. I think. Yeah. I um, agree. So another part of that question: Do you think that players see Izzo as their best path to the NBA because he trains them so well? Yeah, I mean he isn't compared. You know, a Cal. A I mean, those guys have produced more lottery picks, first-rounders, whatever you want to say. But I think Izzo, I mean, obviously he's done it with Chris. He's done it with, you know, Gary Harris. He's transformed Draymond, Draymond into mm-hmm. a – he's, he's a, probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, guys like that. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't think – I will say this. I People might disagree with me. I don't think anybody comes to Michigan State because it's their path to the NBA. I think everybody goes to Michigan State or North Carolina or Kentucky or Michigan or wherever with the NBA in mind. But I don't think a high school kid says, and I think this is where sometimes Israel loses recruits, because if the guy's only thing is to get in the NBA, other coaches are going to say, well, Izzo's not focused on that. And you know what? They're right. And I'm okay with that as a fan, because basketball is the ultimate team game. And for as great a teams as Duke or Kentucky have had, they don't have an exponentially more you know, titles to show for it. When's Kentucky's last one? Twenty twelve. You know, okay, Duke is maybe out a little bit more recent, but like you look at the teams that they won it with, those weren't their Zion Williamson, you know, like the twenty nineteen. That those aren't those teams. Those aren't those teams that have five McDonald's all you know all Americans on it. Those are their team teams. Like yeah, Christian Leitner was really good. Bobby Hurley was really good. Grant Hill was really good. But those were teams. Like. I I don't I don't buy that just NBA talent alone wins you a championship and so I don't think that players go to Michigan State because Izzo will get them in the NBA. I think they go to Michigan State if they want to learn the game, if they want to learn how to be a man and if they want to be prepared for life, including being an NBA player. That's my take. Yeah. Um so a little different question. What has happened to Duke since coach K left? Is Shire's style totally different or is it just because he's learning the, the head coaching ropes? I mean, he's obviously he's no head coaching experience. Right. I mean, 
it's kind of hard to fill the shoe. I mean, they're still not bad. And again, for as many great recruits as Shashevsky got, like his best teams were teams. Like the 2010 team, Michigan State could have won the final four that seniors. year. That was just a team, like really good players. They weren't all world talent. They weren't lottery picks. Still playing in the NBA. And so yeah, I think he's got he's got a lot to learn. I think it's a big. I mean, it's, it's look, a, it's I a mean, gamble. To follow the shoes of him. But it, and, and it's a gamble because Michigan State did it. They did it with Izzo, although Judd wasn't obviously in the stratosphere as Coach K. But like, it's hard. I would say you got to wait three years. Um, and fortunately, in today's day and age, it's hard to do that. But yeah, wait three years and call me in the morning and tell me, um, you know, then I'll tell you how he's doing. I think the same goes for Hubert Davis, for that matter. Like, yeah, you know, he wasn't. He came off the sideline as a commentator, um, really. So, like, I. I think it just takes time. I think it's a different thing. There's a lot of things pulling on you. You got to recruit. You got alumni things, especially when you're at a big program. So I, I tend to think they'll be okay. I think also a lot of it has to do with the fact that programs like Kentucky and Duke and Michigan, just like the, you know, some of these teams in football, are overvalued based on their recruiting classes and their coaches, um, especially when they're unproven. Michigan's coach, I'm sorry, Juwan Howard is not a very good coach. He's not proven. Can he maybe pull in some names? Sure. Might guys go there because they see a pathway to the NBA or somebody that can understand what it's yes. like to be in the NBA? Sure. Um, do they go there because they're going to get better as a player? No, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. Um, so here, okay, so a different question. This is one I came up with, Ryan. This was a topic that came up the other night, and we see it a lot because college basketball is five fouls. So there's been arguments that it should go to six. I like it at five. I don't want to mimic the pro game at all, <laughs> like at all. What's your take? Bench player with two fouls uh, for the half or not? I think so, like, Hogard was an example of what game? The Indiana, Indiana game? It depends on the player, like, if you can trust them. But it's, you never know with the way games are officiated nowadays. You could, like, maybe they attack. Like, they go at someone, they're just going to call a tic-tac foul. It really depends to me on how the game's being officiated. Like, if they were, like, you know... If he calls, I wouldn't put him back in there. But if you know a charge, you know gets called, and then like a reach in or going for a block or something like that, but then maybe throw him back in for the last couple minutes. But I'm I'm, I'm kind of under the same Nate, school as Izzo to kind of bench and not let them get the third because that's detrimental. Nate Oates does not. He will not bench you if you because his argument is. So what's the difference if you pick up your third foul with two minutes to go in the first half versus two minutes into the second half? Like, what's the difference? And I, I see his point. It's kind of like, do you go for it on fourth down or not? Statistically, most of the time, when it's within a certain amount of yards, you should go for it. Like, you're not going to get it every time, but you should go for it. Like, your chances and your probability of success are better. I do. I will agree with this. Like, if, if you've got a game that's being called super uneven or it's really ticky-tack, I think that's a riskier situation, and I think that's a game-by-game. Game. Like, if, if you know that guys are going to get it for hand-checking because they're playing up tight and you just got a guy that's up in your shorts type of guy, then I think you make a little bit of a judgment call. But I don't, I can't disagree with Coach Oates in that, what, what's the difference, right? Like, you get one, okay, so if you get three fouls in the first five minutes of the game, that's different. Like, if you get two right away, I'm probably going to sit you till like, the eight-minute mark because I can't afford it that way, but... In the end of the day, I think Nate Oates, I would have to go back and look for or see, like, there's got to be some statistics on it. I think he quoted that, on average, guys play the same amount of minutes before they foul out. 
regardless if you sit them in the first half or not. So if it's a matter of getting down 10, 15, 20 points because your best player's sitting or staying in a game and maybe give up a couple buckets because he's got to olay it a little bit not to pick up a third cheapie, I'd be really interested to see the statistics on that. Yeah. Really interested. That's it for mailbag for me. Did you have anything that came in? No, I got nothing else. By the way, we need Virginia to win here. They're down three, and I've got a nice little parlay and on three road dogs to win tonight. And they well, they're not a dog, but they they got to win at Syracuse. Come on, turn yeah. my free bet into some cash. Golf time, golf time, Oklahoma, Max. Yeah, how about let's talk about how about Rom like kind of playing great and kind of collapsed. Yeah, he's on human. Saturday, which is the equivalent to Sunday. Homa took advantage. Um, girl pants, lady pants, Sam Ryder. Blew it. Yeah, he blew it. I mean, he's like ranked 239th in the world, so fourth place finish is not the end of the world for him. I, you know, you kind of feel bad because you want to see a guy like that have success. I love Torrey Pines. Love that that tournament. Um, and then over, yeah, the kind of the DP golf in Dubai. So Rory's. a lot of the live players were in there. You had the whole controversy with Rory and Reed. Reed, you know, the cheating controversy this week he hit his ball into a palm tree reasonably because there's a bunch of balls embedded that actually legit happened and i saw a picture and you could see like six or seven balls embedded what i questioned and what people questioned was that he really truly could identify his ball which he claims he could because the way he marks it with an arrow in a circle but most eyewitness accounts said it was more likely in the third tree not the tree that he claims he saw it in so again, did he cheat? Did he not? They couldn't locate the ball exactly, so you got to take his word for it. The nonsense he played with Rory. Rory birdied the last two holes and won that DP world. He's the other guy in a heater aside from Rom. Um, we got Pebble Beach this weekend. Yeah, eighteen. West Coast, the West Coast swing. For what do they used to call it? The the Bob or was it the Bing Crosby? Yeah, Bing Bob Hope. I think it was the Bob Hope Classic, wasn't it? Maybe it was the Bing Crosby. I don't know. It's the Pro Am though. It's fun. Yeah, a lot of good names playing in or whatever. Um, you know, like I've been reading more and more on just golf stuff lately. Um, I don't have any any topic like last week necessarily to bring to the table for golf, but we'll we'll do that as we get closer to to golf season here in particular. But how did we do in our? You did well. Them? You picked twentieth or finished twentieth combined. I finished fifty first, so that's not bad either. Um, yeah, Fowler went from barely making the cut to he finished eleventh, and Finau yeah. finished ninth. He also barely made the cut. So have a fun weekend. Um, Tory, just for golf fans, like you go back to when Tiger beat Rocco on one leg in the U.S. Open. Like it just has uh, some sort of a magic thing to it, and it, it's also great because you can play it as a regular average Joe. Um, it's a Muni. So it's it's a fun one to watch, for me. And apparently, Homa had just a an epic post conference, post championship conference. I need to take a listen to, um, as I heard, it was really great. But yeah, that was that was fun. We got the we got the AT and T, then we got the Phoenix, um, which is a big money tournament this year. And then we start to kind of shift gear. Oh, then we go back to LA, right? Like for the. Um, Homa's tournament. The reason I didn't pick him last week is because yeah, I think it goes after eighteen to, to the Riviera. Waste Management Genesis mm-hmm. uh, to finish off the West then they, Coast. Then they head to Florida, so um, they'll be in Florida. Maybe they might even be in Orlando when I'm in Orlando on my golf trip. Actually. I think that they're at the, the player, the Valspar that week. I think not the Honda. No, 
or the or the Bay Hill. Or on Palmer the week, two weeks before you're there. Nice. All right, who you got this week? Uh, this week I'm going to go with, and we're sticking to our, you can only pick a guy twice if you pick him in a major, right? Yep. Um, you I'm pick gonna, major guys however many times you want. Oh, however many times? Yeah, so no, I thought you, it was just once. No, so if you pick, you think Rory's going to win the... Oh, you can only pick him in a regular tournament once, but you could pick him four times for right. four majors. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I, I'm going to go this week with, they both have pretty good odds to win. I did not, about last week, I probably, should, well, I wouldn't have won any money anyway because I didn't win, but I'm going to go with Matthew Fitzpatrick and Seamus Power. My boy Seamus. Yeah, you're, you know, love affair with him. I like Seamus. I like his name. Um, all right, I'm going to go with the defending champion, Tom Hoagie. Then Garrick Higo left. I picked Hoagie a couple weeks ago. Higo's played well this year. Um, should be interesting. I'm, I'm excited for to see Pebble. Always love that one. Um, and there's no football on Sunday, so I'll be able to watch it, uh, which will be great. Yeah, and Michigan State plays Saturday, so. Yep. I got nothing else golf-wise. Yep. Sprint time. Me either. Sprint time. All right. Uh, who's the best rebounder Michigan State's had in your lifetime? Oh, man, good question. Best rebounder? I don't know that it would be necessarily be statistically. I'm kind of between two guys, but I'm gonna, actually I'm talking myself into the second guy. I'm going to go with Antonio Smith. Like, for not very big, he was really maybe not much bigger than you, Ryan. I mean, he was really probably 6'7". They said 6'8". He was more like 6'7". Just a battler, a position guy. Like, he could rebound. And kind of my second, if I had the, the guy originally came to mind, was Andre Hudson. Similar, not a little bit long and wiry, but not not much more than six eight. If he was six eight, uh, I'm gonna say Brandon Dawson. Brandon Dawson was a good one. Draymond Green. I mean, there were a lot of good ones. Xavier was a good rebounder. I mean, a lot of good rebounders. Yep. I got to go Antonio Smith. NFL and MVP pick. NFL MVP, <sighs> boy. I know that they have some finalists. Uh, I think you you. I mean, you got to go with Hurts, like. I think they lost one game with him as a starter, didn't they? When yeah. he played, I mean, the two of the games they lost were he was hurt. I think hurts. I mean, he he's a he's a similar player to Mahomes, but different in that he he probably actually beat you more with his legs than Mahomes can. Mahomes has got the magic with the arm angles and all that stuff, but um, hey, it doesn't hurt doesn't hurt hurts to have such a great supporting cast around him. But I, I think I got to go with hurts. All right. I'm going to go Mahomes. Rookie of the year. Overall, boy. I mean, you could make a really good argument for Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant wins 10 games in a row. Is that what it was or whatever he was? Um, Or no, he was like 7-1 or something like that as a starter. But, like, you could make that argument. I'm going to put on my homer hat. I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker just because he rushed for 1,000 yards. He He was a really good player for... For Seattle yeah, this year, I'm going to say Sauce Gardner. He had a pretty special rookie year. Um, all right, last one, fun one, best fast food sandwich joint. Oh man, we've been working through a best fast food sandwich joint. I'm gonna go with Jersey Mike's. Yeah, me too. Good one. That's it. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you guys are uh, have any questions, please let us know. We'll try to probably maybe do a mailbag for spot four from here on out, maybe. Yeah, um, fire us your questions. Happy to. Those are good yeah, ones. Yeah, basic and um, fun, different stuff. 
Good, um, thought-provoking, and get you thinking. So whatever, doesn't have to be hoops. It can be whatever you want. Football, basketball, golf, tiddlywinks, whatever you want. So ask the big guy what he likes and doesn't like in a basketball coach. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Now that he's done playing. All right, in the vein of what we've been talking about, really, for the last several weeks. Meantime, as Martin Jacques once said, if the age of sport has been all champagne and roses, here is there two fancy, then expect our love affair with its newly acquired prominence to become increasingly tainted by scandals about cheating. Sport is losing its shine and allure. Think on that.